somebody said to me, you know, well, what is God to you? Which is like a really good question. And what came to me really clearly is that God is the light and the darkness. Hmm. And there was just kind of this gathered moment. And I went, wow. And everybody was like, wow. And that's truly been, you know, my experience, Morgan, that it's in that suffering and in that pain. That's where I find the light. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the One Mind Meditation Podcast, where we interview teachers, scientists, and practitioners of meditation to get behind the scenes as we attempt to demystify this ancient practice and provide you with inspirational stories and tips to fuel your journey wherever you are right now at the gym, in your car, on your commute, walking under a forest canopy, wherever you are in the wide, wide world. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I am very excited to share my interview with the founder of iAwake Technologies, John Dupuy. John creates meditation programs that change the world through the most sophisticated, research-driven brainwave entrainment technologies and consciousness-enhancing tools available. He really sits in this intersection of consciousness and technology, and it's a very interesting intersection, and we're going to get into some of that today. So you're going to learn all about binaural or brainwave entrainment technology, which, according to John, can really help fast-track your spiritual practice. And like so many of the interviews on this podcast, some of the stories overtake the tips and techniques, as valuable as those are. And if you've followed this show for any amount of time, you'll recognize this pattern. There is always a powerful seed that propels someone toward discovery. And, you know, we really, we mine that, we look for that in people's stories. And, and sometimes it's the pain of life. Sometimes it's the thrill of discovery. Often, like it was for me when I started meditating, it's about the quest for meaning. John Dupuy's story of transformation is poignant and uplifting. So yes, he is the founder of iAwake Technologies, but as you'll hear, John's own story and the forces that drove him to create iAwake Technologies, they have their own transformative power beyond the technology, and and you're really going to get a taste of both today, both John's story and the transformative power of that story, and you're going to learn about this incredible technology, which is transformative in its own right. So John's story, it carries an important and powerful message for all of us, one which I think our culture struggles to reconcile. It's the transformative and enriching power of embracing our own pain, not turning away from it, but turning towards it. So I hope you enjoy this inspiring interview with John Dupuy. And don't miss the special guided meditation that the folks at iAwake created for the One Mind audience. I'm going to tell you more about that after the show. But for now, 
Let's jump into the interview with John Dupuy. John, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on here. Welcome. Thank you, Morgan. It's a, it's a real honor and pleasure. Fantastic. So I think we can just dive right into the questions. It'd be great to hear a little bit about your story. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your story? What led you to co-founding iAwake and developing binaural technology? And, and also, how does that relate to your own spiritual practice, your own meditation practice? Okay, so should we start the mini-series? I'm 59 yes, exactly. years old. <laughs> well, I used to be a wilderness guide, and we'd have the students tell their story um, around the fire. You know, to, people listening, it was, it was a very sacred moment. And yeah. I used to say, hey, man, when you get to be my age, it's a long story. But I will attempt to be brief. And, well, you know, I had my first spiritual uh, opening, if you will, when I was about 11 years old. Yeah. And uh, I was, it was in uh, kind of a Christocentric context. I, I was reading a little uh, New Testament they'd given me at school. They used to be able to pass out things like that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was reading the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are, you know, the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are uh, peacemakers, et cetera. And something just happened. I had grown up Catholic, but something just happened this moment. I just had this wonderful experience of God being everything and, and everything being love. And you know, wow. <laughs> my little 11 year old self trying to put that together with no real spiritual guidance or eldering as it were and yeah. uh so that started me you know that was the sacred wound if you will and uh mm. so i was i was haunted by spiritual experiences if you will you know we have this normal reality and then you know it's kind of a uh, forsaken mystic and then i would have these powerful experiences of presence or god or unity and and that that thing, that experience, that the nature of reality was all very mysteriously, beautifully perfect and wonderful. And then I go back to my regular stuff for several years and be tortured by the taste of this this uh, this this other reality that I've gotten. So I ended up um, uh, going to JFK University in the Bay Area, San Francisco area to study transpersonal psychology you know after i did my bachelor's degree mm -hmm. and so i became very you know versed in the literature of spirituality and humanistic psychology transpersonal was introduced to ken wilbur uh and was introduced to meditation more in practice and uh yeah so i i've got a really good intellectual grounding in in the literature and yeah and, and like many people i would dabble in meditation but something is very hard to stick with um, yes, and yeah. so, you know, off again, on again, gone again, here again, <laughs> meditating again, not yeah, you know, yeah. that challenge. And uh, around, I guess it was about 98, I went through a real crisis in my life. My uh, my older brother was staying with me. He was very depressed. He committed suicide in my living room. And, I'm sorry, uh, man. Yeah, and my relationship broke up. So, you know, my partner was cheating with a best friend. I got fired from my job. My dog yeah. got run over. I swear, all of this happened in within about three weeks. Oh and uh, I was homeless, basically. I got in my truck and I headed across country and uh, just really deeply depressed and grieving and, and very ill. And then it, uh, as the time progressed, it became more and more somatic. Uh, the grief and the pain, and I would just begin to shut down and go in these deep, deep states of, of depression, suicidal. I want to kill myself, yeah. and the only, and I wore sunglasses all the time. I never wanted 
body to see my tormented eyes. You know, they say the eyes are the windows of the soul. Mm. And uh, yeah, and, and I told a friend, I was talking about, you know, those two years that I was gone. He said, dude, it was four years. I mean, that's how kind of dissociatedly confused I was. I didn't, uh, the time spans didn't even make sense. So yeah. um, I got, I, I, I would get a little bit better and I tried to put up, to get together a practice. I'd go to psychotherapy. I was doing uh, Qigong. I was trying to meditate. I was, you know, going to the gym, doing yoga, doing everything I could to try to heal my body. And and soon I got back into, I was invited. John, ha, ha, may I ask, how old were you like that four year uh, gap there about around 40 i think my uh maybe uh, early 40s and that's when things that's when all of that happened yeah and the, the precipitate okay got yeah it. yeah so anyway so i i would you know i would throw myself into working with wilderness programs and young people i thought it was something noble if i was going to die soon which i felt like i might as well give my life to something good it turned out that a lot of uh, most of my students, at maybe 85% or so, were there working with me in the wilderness because of drugs and alcohol. And it was clear that I didn't, uh, you know, that, that standard therapy, just 12 steps, bless it, it does wonderful things, but it doesn't do enough for enough people, right? The, the mm. num numbers are pretty scary, albeit a wonderful spiritual group who have helped millions of people. Let me qualify that. Great respect for it. So I started trying to put a, this program together. Uh, to help my kids. How could they, you know, stay sober and survive, you know, the disease of addiction? And that's when I encountered, I was, uh, heard an interview with Bill Harris of Holocene fame and Ken Wilbur. And mm -hmm. he was talking about these meditative tools, uh, you know, brain entrainment that would take you down to these very deep meditative states, like almost immediately within a few minutes that normally would take people years and years of monastic practice to do. Okay. And most of us don't have that kind of structure around us or can dedicate our lives that way. And a lot of the monasteries are not really that happening anymore. You know, the, whatever was there, the Dharma, the, the spirit has departed in my, not always, but I visit a lot of monasteries. So mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to develop that. And uh, so I was like, wow, that may be the ticket for my students, you know, because it says in step 11 in AA, uh, sought through prayer and meditation to increase our conscious contact with God, seeking only his will or her will, as you will, uh, and the power to carry it out. So it's right there in the old uh, recovery thing, you know, that con contemplative prayer and meditation is the way to go. And but no, there were no teachers of that in AA that I ever found. And so it was just like, thank you, Lord, for keeping me sober. And, you know, that kind of, I mean, that's that's great. That's beautiful. But it's not trans, transformative contemplative practice or prayer. Mm -hmm. So I, I finally I put up my my cheap little Scotch-Irish heart, put up my money and, and <laughs> ordered, ordered the tracks. And it, within the first few days, I was having just this class five non-dual experience okay mm. it just uh, this powerful opening it just all opened up you know and, and it's just this healing you know that there there is you know the that all I, I guess it comes from the hindu tradition there is only god and thou art that right there is only yeah. one and thou art that you know can so, you just quickly tell people when you use the word non-dual can you explain for them just br very briefly what you mean by that yeah Okay, it, it means, can I can I illustrate that with a short story? A little Please. Interesting yeah. uh, kind of revelation I had. And it's this, um, you know, I, and I ask this sometimes when I'm teaching, this came to me in meditation and just kind of opened it up for me. But how can a Jew forgive the Nazis? Okay. 
and saying this is not a historical Jew. This was actually somebody that was there in Europe and saw his family, his children, his grandparents, his uncle, his whole culture, you know, vernichtet, as the Nazi said, just just wiped out, hauled off on on in in uh, train cars and maybe suffocated on the way to the gas chambers. Bam. Okay, that happened. I mean, just feel that for a moment in your body. You know, what is that like? How can you forgive that? And often students will say, uh, well, you know, we all have the inner Nazi. We all could have that kind of hatred and everything in us. And so, yeah, maybe that's true, but I never did that. You know, I never murdered a family, murdered children, never did that. So how do you as a human being? And so in in this, this deep meditative state, the realization came in. It's like, and it's hard for me to like talk about this without tearing up because it's so powerful mm-hmm. is, oh my God, I am the Nazi and I am the Jew. And I've been doing it to myself this whole time. There is only one at the deepest, most real level of existence of being. Mm-hmm. And that is me. And it's just like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Help me to wake up and stay awake. You know, forgive me. I forgot. You know, I am that, thou art that. When you get that realization, it just changes everything. You know, one of the challenges is, you know, you can have a temporary state experience where you grok all this stuff and get it and really feel it, not just in an intellectual manner, but really with your whole being understand it. But then if you don't, you know, continue to practice, you'll go back to sleep, you know, and you'll go back yeah. to the relative world, the ego stuff. So so what do we do with that is that there is that that essential unity of all existence that comes out of emptiness or spirit or Godhead or however you want to, whatever, you know, tradition you come from or lack of tradition. And that is an essential uh, reality that meditators and mystics have been uh, uh, talking about for millennia since it's yeah. recorded, recorded history and, and before, I'm sure. Then there's the other side of the street. There's the individual uh Morgan Dick self or the John Dupuy self who, you know, struggles, who's born, has family. We, you know, we success, failure, we find our path, we die, whatever that is. And bringing those two realities together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because in mm-hmm. Western, Western psychology, we got really good with the little, you know, the separate individual ego self. Okay. And in the East or the mystical traditions, they're really good with this non-dual everything self. Okay. But we've learned over the decades of watching our our spiritual teachers, you know, crash and burn and go down in flames and do all kinds of awful things, that you really have to have both sides of the street well done. If it's just the ego, just the individual self, existentially, it's you know, after a while, it's just the dog chasing his tail. You know, you don't have you don't have oh, the, yeah. the true foundation. Uh, absolutely, I I was I lived in Andrew Cohen's ashram for fifteen years. Oh my goodness! So th- that is something that. Personally, I'm grappling with exactly right now the whole profound bias towards transcendence and the and the spiritual bypassing that was really a hallmark, in my opinion, of his entire teaching. And yes, I had like extraordinary experiences, and yet there was now very clear to me in retrospect a huge part of my humanity, a whole horizontal dimension, completely excluded and. So yeah, I, I'm absolutely familiar 
with what you're talking about. If you don't have both, you, it's an incomplete yeah, picture. Which, yeah, you're going to have pathologies. You're going to have cults. You're just going to have dissociation. You know, dissociation. dissociation. Oh, this person, you know, can you know, transmit all these great experiences and stuff, but he's a jerk and he's stealing on our money and, you know, whatever the particular thing yeah. is. you got to do both sides of the street. And when you bring that together, that's a really wonderful definition of non-dual. And that's what internal practice and I think uh, this brain entrainment or binaural technology really helps us to do in ways that was, was much more effective in much less time, not that it doesn't take a lot of dedication and work. You don't get off with that. Not like you well, take a pill and it's all good. Yeah, so let's come back. So you heard Bill Harris talking to Kim Wilbur and you, you ponied up, you got the technology, and with a very short amount of time, you're having these experiences. So if you can, pick up the narrative from that point okay. again and, and tell us what then brought you from there to here. Okay, well, yeah, it's good because without the rest of the story, it might, people might think it's other than it is. But anyway, so I had this main, you know, huge opening, non-duality, and I've had stuff like that before, you know, years yeah. spread apart from some time I was a kid, but this was very powerful and very real. And I was going, wow, you know, like a week of meditating, I'm enlightened. <laughs> That's ridiculous, I thought. Mm. But anyway, but what happened, you know, when you have these experiences, it really expands your context. So your ego is there, but, you know, there's more space around it. All your stuff, your wounds, your ideas, your stories, blah, blah, blah. You know, your internal life, uh, yeah. internal life is still there, but there's this huge, huge uh, expansiveness that holds it. You know, this huge witness, this huge pure openness. And th at that point, all of my my trauma, you know, my brother's death, you know, in my living room and all, uh, all that stuff started coming up. Okay. And it would start coming up and it would start just playing itself out, release in, in my body somatically, like tremendous pain in my heart, my gut. And yeah. I would sit there. And because I'd had the grace of this really expanded opening, you know, like at the beginning of this thing, somehow my intuitive wisdom knew that this was getting me well. Okay. So mm -hmm. for about nine months, I went through this very, very powerful just being with this pain, you know, in yeah. meditation. And I was meditating like two or three hours a day. And people, you know, say, well, why are you meditating so much? Because I'm so screwed up. <laughs> I really need yeah. to heal or I'm going to yeah. die. It was kind of that imperative, right? And so that was just a wonderful experience and teaching. And I thought like I just invented the wheel. Then I started studying and, you know, the, the, the major people that are dealing with trauma and PTSD all agree it has to come. It has to be a somatic release or it's not happening. In other words, just talking therapy doesn't do that. It's like reading the menu. You know, and menus are great. They tell you what's available, how much it costs. But if you just read menus, obviously you're going to start it out, right? So it's it's nice to have the maps and all that, but you actually have to do the work. And I found out that this this type of technology, one of the, the extraordinary things that it does that traditional uh, meditation doesn't seem to do very well, is it really somatically unites the body and mind and helps and helps this stuff finally get out of our system and just yeah. release and transmute. Because if you don't, Sometimes it's just dissociative. You know, meditation, you can see it all, but you're not really getting in there and grinding it out and, and doing that transmutive uh, process where all this pain and shadow, yeah. darkness and despair yeah. and hatred, whatever it might be, comes through your body and releases. And there's a there's a tremendous clearing and all that energy that was kind of kept uh, hidden in the unconscious or in the body and in, in the subtle 
you know, the subtle and and the physical body uh, releases, and then you can really, then you're really getting well, you know, and not just repressing it or, or putting it someplace else where it comes out as some awful disease or yes. projections or unconscious, whatever. John, can you quickly define for people who may not know what it means, the, the term somatic? Just the body. Yeah. <laughs> Real simple. Yeah, it has to be yeah. bodily bodily uh, done or it just doesn't work. Right. And there's a lot of therapies now, mental health therapies, that, it, and this is implicit with what you're saying, that now focus a lot on the body, recognizing that we store trauma in our body. Absolutely. Okay, go for it. Yeah, so you notice how we're getting to the place where it's really becoming non-dual. You know, we're 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 taking on the ego and and the, and the pain and and the body and and all of this stuff. You know, the part that's born into the world or out of the world emerges from the world, as Alan Watts said, and you know, then goes back, then goes away. But also with the eternal and with the the expanded context of infinite awareness and consciousness that everything seems to rise from moment to moment. You really have a healthy, balanced path of healing and transcendence and presence for the 21st century. It's really, it's, uh, you know, we're just really starting to figure this out. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some of the, the ancient yogas and stuff, they had it, but they didn't know about the brain. They didn't know about so much that we know now. So really, all we, you know, this is, this is our path. And, and, you know, you, Turn on the news at any time, and obviously we're in a in a, a state of crisis as a, a human family, yeah, and and a family of all beings, I would say, and so more of us need to wake up uh, more quickly and more effectively, so we don't turn into you know dissociated kind of strange people uh, who are kind of kind of using um, our spiritual realizations to gain power, or money, or hurt. Yeah, you know, you obviously were profoundly impacted by this technology, you founded iAwake Technologies then. Yeah. And it, yeah, go for it. Well, it's just been, it was a little over. In other words, I was using Holosync and Insight Meditation, a lot of really good uh, tools out there because I was also at that at that point, I, I wrote a book, came out in 2013 called uh, Integral Recovery. And it's taken on a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and putting together for a new model for treating alcoholism and addiction. And the idea, well, one of the, I won't get into the other stuff, it's too much, but the other did that the recovery is a practice. And so you have four basic capacities that have to be worked on an ongoing basis for the rest of your life. It's your body, you know, got to eat well, you got to exercise, stretch, yoga, strengthening, cardio, all that good stuff. You got to work your mind, like listening to this, hopefully, this show is inspiring, it's transmitting some kind of inspiration or, yeah. or wisdom or knowledge. You have to work on your emotional life which includes your shadow, your repressed stuff, all, you know, all of that. And you have to have a spiritual practice where you keep going inside interior and just relaxing into that deepest, deepest part of ourselves. That is, thank God, our best selves. We don't have mm. to worry about going too deep in our practices or meditation, even though the ego kind of freaks out and gets scared when uh, things start opening up down there. But with yeah. time and practice, we learn to trust that process. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So anyway, I, I've been using uh, Holosync and other um, of these technologies for about five years, you know, every day. In fact, mm. uh, in September 11th, 9-11, it was my 10-year uh, anniversary of doing this practice every day, being very dedicated to it. And, mm. of course, that's a huge key. 
you stick with it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just went through in May, my father's death, my beloved father. I spent the last mm-hmm. year and a half with him helping out, and he died, and I was just crushed, you know? Mm. And I went back to, you know, always practicing through the whole thing. I don't know, for several months. It was mainly just grief and sorrow in my practice. My ego didn't want to be with it. And, yeah. Uh, and but, uh, but discipline over the years... And and like you were saying, Morgan, you know, the not avoiding the pain, but leaning into the pain, not spiritual bypassing, but going into the heart of the darkness and the suffering yeah. is where we find God, where we find whatever you want to call that great mystery. And A broken heart. I mean, yeah, I think absolutely. The, the so opening. Yeah, I'm coming out of that, and you know, and and again, just stay with the practice every day. You know, like I said, it's not just about waking up; it's also about staying awake. Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I used to say to my my uh, when I was trying to explain this to my students in the wilderness, we'd be out there all you know year round, and in the winter we'd have to you know we'd wake up in the morning, you have to go to the stream or the pond and break the ice, you know, and and to get the water, and that's what it's like that I feel that that if we don't have a daily practice, you know, just the ego kind of stuff just starts building up, you know, and we get this we get this ice, we get solidified, and we start yeah. doing, you know. We're doing our translate kind of unconscious stuff, thinking that we're we're in charge and we're really not. So you have to keep going back and and meditation cracks the ice, you know, so the water can come up again and flow. Absolutely. Uh, tell us, John, for the audience, for all of you who are listening, tell us what I'm gonna ask you just a really simple question. What is binaural technology and how does it work? Okay. Uh and I'm gonna give you just the, the real uh simple version we have you know we have a stable of creators of this technology uh, i don't make them myself my task has been to or my mission or my calling has been to obviously be a practitioner use it myself and then to help other people uh adopt a practice or adapt yeah. a practice themselves yeah. so in early on back in the 70s there was a, a neuro american neuroscientist and he wrote an article in one of the leading medical journals and he said he found that if you took you know, with headphones on, you had beat in one ear, say 100 beats in the left ear and 110 beats in the right ear, that the brain didn't know how to kind of deal with that discrepancy and it would create a phantom wave or in train splitting the difference between 100 and 110 at five hertz. So by adjusting those beats, you can take the brain down to whatever desired state. And in the beginning, they said alpha, you know, man, that's the that's the super learning, that's the one, and then it was theta. Uh, and then it just kept going down to delta, and which is, you know, deep, dreamless sleep, the brainwave that shows up during those states. And then under that, there's uh, even one deeper, it's like really slow epsilon for just very, very <laughs> deep meditation. So we worked around with it, and they're all, really all of those brain states uh, brainwaves are good. So you use different ones at different times or you can mix them. So anyway, that's the basic technology. And of course, it's so evolved. And that's why we started iAwake Technology. You know, I've been using this stuff and man, I wasn't making any money from it. I just told everybody to do this. You know, Bill Harris sent me all this stuff free. I was a yeah, great yeah. spokesperson. A friend introduced me to a man called Eric Thompson in Boulder, Colorado. And Eric had also really been helped, gone through depression and, and loved this technology and very brilliant uh, technologically in a lot of ways. Anyway, he said, hi, you know, introduce. He says, well, I think, uh, you know, I think 
I've built a better mousetrap. I think the stuff that I'm doing, I'm taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, that's interesting. Give me some tracks. And so I went back and after about five years of doing this stuff, you know, you become very sensitive to subtle energy and, you know, the, these men. Anyway, I could tell they were pushing really, uh, they were very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking and with Pam, my wife, we started uh, Iowa Technologies and it's been over been over five years now, but it's like, seems like doggy years, you know, there's so much yeah. happened. It's been so intense. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I remember it. I mean, just three or four years ago at, when I was at Enlighten Next, you guys, I remember seeing you guys come on the scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And it just wasn't that long ago. And I think, but you're saying you're, you're only five years old, you said? Just a l- yeah. little over that now, but yeah, right around there. Awesome. And, you know, my vision is, I mean, the, the, what the calling, what the intuitive thing was to, that this technology would be as ubiquitous as smartphones you know, or, or iPods that everybody would have them. It's like, and eventually people say, you don't practice? You know, what? <laughs> you know, because we found a way, a uh, technology that makes deep transformative meditation, uh, prayer accessible to everyone. It really democratizes the thing. And, yeah. and, you know, not that you don't need guides and more experienced people that can help you get started and get going. But I had a student of mine one time. He said, so, John, what you're saying is practice is the guru. And I went, well, I haven't said that yet, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, mm. so, so thank you for that. And so I think, you know, it, it, once you mature at a certain level and you begin to kind of tap into this kind of intuitive knowing that the practice begins to inform you after you establish the practice. And, and, you know, it's not like you can, you know, dial up all the answers to the universe, like a, you know, L7 drop in a quarter and there it is, but it, it begins to permeate things. And, and sometimes it's after my dad died, it was like, you know, wasn't this great, beautiful experience of light and everything it was just pain. It was awful. I was yeah. devastated. And yeah. that became my teacher, you know, and I just had to be, in, you know, in the, in the darkness of despair and, and missing him, you know. And it's like, come on, every, you know, it's, I try to rationalize everybody lose their dad, you know, at a certain point and everything. It's like, so what? You know, that didn't help. It was just being present with it and not yeah. avoid, not avoiding. And I would notice when I'd meditate how my mind would go, well, check your emails and do this, do that. And I was just be there, be there, be there. And I was yeah. probably 70% successful in just being there. Sometimes I'd probably mm. chicken out, but most of the time I stuck in there and, and did the work. And I, I have a question, Don. Do you like, do you recommend for people, like say someone is interested, do you recommend that they start their meditation practice with this technology? Like if someone's new to meditation, but also new to this technology, yeah. do you recommend that they start with the binaural technology or do you recommend that they start get a solid foundation of a daily habit of practice and then start using the technology or does it not matter well i think it does matter and i think that i would just i recommend going with the uh, brain entrainment technology or the binaural technology because it gets you there right away and one of the things when i was working with addicts and alcoholics before i discovered this technology i couldn't get anybody to meditate you know, mm. we'd sit there for 10 minutes and I don't know what it was doing, but I don't think they were meditating. Everybody's just like, when is this going to be over, right? <laughs> yeah, and yep. and then we, when I started bringing people to my home and working with small groups, 
you know, we'd meditate two hours a day, an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. Yeah. And man, and after about two weeks, man, these people were getting it, you know, it was really. Mm. And so the problem, again, the problem with traditional meditation, unless, you know, for most of us, it doesn't happen fast enough. And for whatever reason, you know, we have such busy lives and we have so much going on that if yeah. we don't start feeling the the benefits really quickly, we'll just blow it off, you know. And, of course, one of my jobs on my, you know, teleseminars, I, I, I do a little show every week for iAwake users and whatnot. It's just to inspire, to guilt trip, to do whatever I can to get yeah. people just to start doing it every day. And, yeah. and if you get it, if you can get it, you can use this technology, and you know, work up to it maybe, but an hour a day, you're, you're really going to be in the transformational fast lane. Things really start changing. There's a lot of effects. It's not just the deep spiritual stuff, but your ability to focus, your creativity, your brain just starts functioning at a higher level. That's great. That kind of gets us into the next uh, series of questions. One, one, I wondered if you could share a few experiences maybe from some of your students about the effects, like experiences that they've shared with you of exactly what you're starting to share. Like what kind of benefits do you see people realizing from this? You can actually start working through uh, trauma. Yeah. Uh, releasing bodily or somatically spirituality becomes a felt reality mm. in other words I, I tell my students i'm in no i have no agenda to make anybody you know any kind of religion or any tradition but you're you're all welcome to it you know so uh however you want to frame that however that experience of the spiritual or deepest essential self appears to you whether you know you come back a devout christian or jew or muslim or a spiritual but not religious or whatever it might be, it really starts to become something personal. And this is yeah. not about churches. This is not about gurus. This is not about this or that. This is me. This is myself. You know, a lot of the students I was working with, uh, addicts, I know, really late stage addicts, about ready, you know, they were in terrible condition. They're super pissed off at religion and anything that had to do with God and all this stuff. And very soon uh, that was just let go. And it, it was not really relevant because this, mm. this this thing was going on with them. And yeah. so there's just this daily returning to the interiors. What I've noticed, I've been looking around lately, this has kind of been coming clear, is that as you get older, okay, if you have neglected your interiors, if you've neglected spiritual, emotional, interior practice, if you just live your life focused on, you know, things, things we bump into, collecting money, doing your work, you know, uh, relationships with others, all that, that at a certain point, all your kind of negative ingrained behaviors just get exacerbated, you mm. know? And, and so instead of aging gracefully into being a a really, you know, realized, actualized human being, you know, an elder with wisdom, initiated person has medicine to get back to, to those coming uh, uh, behind us or after us. We just become part of the problem, you know, yeah. some old dude to be dealt with, you know, and what do we, yeah. you know? so you really yeah. got to do the work to, to experience the depth, to, to experience the wisdom, the flow, the, the, the connectedness. And, and also, it, it's not just, you know, happy, happy, but we experience much greater pain. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you ever get to the bottom of all your stuff, and we're, we're vast, man. You get into our interiors, you think you're just a little old Morgan, man. You're just like this 
ocean of stuff, yeah. you know, that connects you to everything. But we get in, I, I, I've experienced this quite often. You get into a place where it's the collective pain. And uh, then you can really start practicing with that. And Ken Wilbur one time, he said, you know, you, you suffer more, but it bothers you less. Because, again, there's that expanded context, you know. Mm. You get into ours, the deepest part of ourselves, it's infinite, okay? And infinity can hold all the pain of a million universes. It's that big, you know. So at that level, there's this kind of mysterious thing where you can really hold it and at the same time bless it and, and kind of just be with it. And there maybe there's some kind of mysterious transmutation or something like that, but it does seem that sometimes we're called to go down there. And I think when I come out, some I've been in places like that are so painful that I feel like I've just been dissolved into nothingness and there's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing but pain. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, you come back and it's like the pieces of, of the individual, you know, John, little John self begin to, you know, click back like a transformer or something, you know, it comes back together as me, but there's a, a sense of like somebody took the whole thing apart and, and cleaned it and oiled it and stuck it back together again. And it's just, uh, there's more compassion for others suffering and appreciation for my own and more connectedness to yeah. the world, more humility and, and yeah. joy, joy. So it's, it's those experiences uh, can actually lead to higher stage development you know to yeah. become the best versions of ourselves i'm with you man i i do think that's an interesting especially in our culture in western culture and the rapid fire information overwhelm just fight or flight kind of state that everyone's in mm-hmm. constantly there is not room really in our culture to process the pain and I think that, you know, in general as a culture, we just don't have much room for it. We don't really have a, there aren't shared spaces to process it. There are very few personal spaces to process it. And I do think it's like, it's probably, a friend of mine said this recently. He's like, yeah, grief is the biggest sickness in Western culture. It's like all this unresolved pain that's deep, deep in there. And okay, so... Everyone's like, well, man, why would I want to focus on the pain? But I think you were getting to the point there was like, and and this has also been my own experience. When you just start to actually let that be, you actually start to tap into that reservoir of pain. One, you find it's like, okay, this is completely overwhelming. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, for me, therapy has been the most helpful way to actually contact that and let it overwhelm me. And it does, man. It just destroys me. Yep. And it is completely overwhelming. But that the other side of it, which you said you were pointing to, is it, man, it opens you up to the world in the most incredible way. Yes. You know, well, you, you feel your heart again, really. Yeah. And you begin to, you're automatically plugged in to the universe in a way that unless you make some space for the reality of that, the reality, that whole dimension of your humanity, there's no way, there's just no way. And it's an interesting point. I didn't think we were gonna talk about it, but it is an interesting dimension that you're bringing in. And I I just, yeah, I wanna 
support it. And I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the avoidance of pain leads to nothing but pathology. I mean, that's what addiction is all about. Yeah. You know, you really love the groovy states, you know, the buzz or, you know, when you when you drink, you had that first hit of whiskey or when you put that needle, you know, or you snort that line, like, wow, yeah, I just want to stay here forever. It's great. Yeah. Which you can't do. <laughs> These states come and go and you're, you're trying to avoid the, the painful and you all that stuff and it ends in nothing but just personal disaster and 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 often death or imprisonment or, or something along those lines yeah. so but but pain accepted and, and really cultivated and really honored becomes a path to wisdom yes and and compassion you know and it comes from the latin like, compassione to suffer with you know mm. so when we allow our hearts to open to suffer and not just with humans but all beings yeah. it's uh and boy, I tell you, you better have That's why practice is important too, because I wouldn't want to go into that land without deep roots into the eternal. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I, it's yeah. pretty damn scary I, for the little individual ego to take on all by its lonesome, you know? So, uh, but with, with the daily cultivation of our depths, we can begin to do that, you know, and sometimes. And we'll just touch into it, and then we'll run off, you know. But we'll, we become aware of watching ourselves run off. We yeah. started seeing how I, I noticed that in the last I could, uh, you know, enough mindfulness over 10 years of practice. I could see really easily my avoidant, you know, my ego going, God damn it. I just don't want to go down there. You know, yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. I hurt so bad. You know, no, come on. Just relax. You'll be OK. And there's, uh, you know, there's really no guarantee in the moment. Sometimes it just takes faith and courage and just to open and, and accept it. With time and practice, you begin to have. Trust the process that, that ultimately it'll be okay. And, and not only, one time I was on a panel about integral Christianity. And, and anyway, that's a whole other story. But I've written some stuff about, you know, what a transformed Christianity would look like. And somebody said to me, you know, well, what is God to you? Which is like a really good question. And what came to me really clearly is that God is the light and the darkness. Hmm. And there was just kind of this gathered moment. And I went, wow. And everybody was like, wow. And that's truly been my experience, Morgan, that it's in that suffering and in that pain. That's where I find the light. Mm. You know, that's where it's there. And and uh, and if I wasn't in the originally forced into it almost, uh, I would have never found my deeper connection to uh, mm. to spirit, to God, to reality, that, that mystery. Let me start to orient us towards a conclusion here. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask a few final questions about the technology. Can you tell us a little bit, what does science tell us about binaural technology? What, what kind of studies have been done? And I know there's been quite a bit, but maybe can you highlight a little bit for us, a little bit of that landscape? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for those, and, and I really, really honor people that just don't buy things because you know i say so or something they really test it out and yeah and you know what and, and check it out and there's if you go to our website iawaketechnologies.com i think <laughs> anyway if you go to iawake you'll find yeah, us on yeah. the internet uh there there it's incredibly uh, uh information dense you know there may be 180 uh, scientific studies mm. that we have on our website that mm. talk about the differences and and you know uh, what happens, but some of the stuff that happens for sure. Well, you know, in in neuroscience, in fact, about five years ago, somebody said in the last 
five years, we've learned more about the human brain in the previous 5,000. So yeah. we are in a time of the brain revolution, right? Yeah. And any conversation about anything, about religion, about law enforcement, about education, about sports, you name it, any human endeavor that doesn't include the brain is just like, huh? As missing something because yeah. we're, we're understanding that now. So the prefrontal cortex gets bigger. Uh, there is a harmonization of left and right function. You know, some neuroscientists say we have two brains, left brain, right brain. The right brain being kind of the more artistic, intuitive, creative, feminine, if you will. The left brain being the kind of linear, get her done, logical, both essential human capacities. So, when you, you know, when you can, can wed those two and not just be this or that, but be both, you have a greater whole. Yeah. And there's like you have your cake and eat it too. And you have your uh, intuitive flow state at the same time. You have your brilliant, rational human brain that could, you know, crunch the numbers and do all this stuff. And then the other side that can make the patterns of meaning out of it. So that that function uh, begins to happen. I think we become um, just quicker learners. When the brain gets into the state of dynamic, evolving change, it, it just gets easier and easier. You know, if you've ever... Uh, really worked up a skill level in any, you know, particular skill as a uh, playing an instrument or a sport or something like that, you mm-hmm. notice at the higher levels that you can learn faster. And at the, and, and at the beginning, you just kind of suck. <laughs> you, you, have, yeah. you have to accept that at the beginning, anything, including a, a meditational practice, even with this technology, you're going to be a beginner, but it's going to happen faster. So there's a real neurological uh, tra- uh, change. They, they find that there's more serotonin and dopamine levels go up, a CRF and cortisol and some of the, uh, the stress-activated neurochemicals, ones that lead are really prevalent in brains where there's depression, anxiety, in the brains of addicts, the craving you know, for drugs, these begin to diminish. And so you have a much more just a healthy balance of essential neurochemicals, you know. So we're talking about, we've been talking about non-dual spirituality all the way to, you know, the nuts and bolts of just uh, neuroscience as it's revealing itself to us. So there's a lot of neurological changes. And the brain is like, you know, plasticity, plasticity is what they're saying, the the capacity to change. And how do you change? Well, you change I've been studying a number of books now, the new science of practice. If you want to get good at anything, if you just stick with it, with grittiness, with determination and passion over the long term and learn how to practice, you're going to see transformations in your capacity that you never thought was real. You know, the old paradigm of, well, you know, you have your genetic deck of cards that you've been dealt, except that good luck with it. It's much more uh, exciting than that. We can transform our brain. We can rearrange how our DNA uh, works moment to moment with what we think, how we pray, how we meditate, interact. It's called epigenetics. It's a new science that's emerging. I wrote about mm. it some in my book, and they're finding out that that the epigenetic, how the how the, uh, the the genes are controlled, are actually much more important than the genes themselves. You know, because you imagine yeah. you have this piano yeah. piano with one hundred eighty three thousand or how many genes we have and it's not so much the keys it's what you do with them so all of that stuff is affected by the zone that we put our brain into when we go into these deep meditative states supported by this kind of holding vibrational frequency subtle energy that comes to these tracks and so the brain can really just function at a higher level you know i'm not never thought i was that bright okay 
And then I started this practice and I started finding, you know, what I was supposed to do in the world. And now I'm like dialoguing with like Ken Wilbur and other folks, you know, people, the top, you know, some of the brightest people on the planet. Yeah. Pretty much as an equal, weirdly yeah. enough, you know, and I'm yeah. going, how the heck did that happen? You know, it's like I, when I was in, in grade school, I was in all the special ed classes and whatnot. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did a little better when I got to college and stuff, but never, never imagined. So just, just on a cognitive line, just pure the capacity to speak, communicate and all that in any activity, basically that, that uh, requires your brain is going to be enhanced when your brain starts functioning and, and evolving uh, at a higher level. And I don't think it's just you hit it and your brain turns on, everything's good. I think, again, it's a, it's just daily practice. The brain keeps adapting, keeps changing as we work through this thing. So is, does that answer some of the, the questions, yeah, Morgan? Yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. And so for someone, John, who's maybe new to meditation, uh-huh. just starting out, and they, they now, after listening to this interview and hearing you talk about the technology, they feel compelled to try it out, to mm-hmm. test it out. How should they get started? What, what do you recommend? Yeah, well, you know, you can go to our website and there's a, you know, free demo. I think it's a 20 minute track or something. You can just stream. Yeah. And just so you can get, get a sense of it. We'll, uh, we'll you, link that up in the show. Yeah. Notes, everyone. Yeah. We, just, just go and get started. And, and let me say this. It's also uh, people that are very experienced meditators. Okay. When they, they try the technology, they immediately get it. Like, oh, yeah. wow, this is really working. And so if you've had a you know meditation practice for years, it's not like, well, now we got the new technology. You know, that was a waste of time. It's not true. This technology meets you where you're at. OK, and all the discipline, all the techniques and, and the stuff that you've learned over years of practicing are going to completely be enhanced mm. and, and almost honored by this technology. It's not it, it doesn't any way do away with that. And for beginners, basically, all you have to do is just put it on. I would say start out, you know, with a 20 minute or 15 minute track and just notice what's going on in your body. You know, what's going on in your mind, your thoughts. And of course, that's just the beginning of mindfulness. And uh, I noticed years ago, before I even talked about mindfulness, that my students were just getting more mindful by doing the practice within a very Mm. short period, Mm. which is an excellent tool to develop uh, if you're suffering from addiction. It helps get over the cravings. It's it's all kinds of applications to just, you know, drug treatment and alcohol treatment. So, yeah, so just get it and start, uh, yeah, just listening. And uh, you might want to have a legal pad, you know, or your or journal or, you know, if you use an, a computer, whatever, but to, to take notes about what your experience is like. And I would also say uh, when you go to sleep, have a journal or a recorder or some kind of device where you can record your dreams because at least 80% of the people that use this stuff uh, talk about how their dream lives become much more vivid and powerful. And especially at the beginning, it seems yeah. that the, the unconscious will give you some very powerful dreams to kind of just set you on that path, wow. you know. And so pay attention. There's a wisdom. It's not just all gobbledygook. Maybe sometimes it is. But when we start doing this kind of practice, we begin to see we have, wow, we have this incredible poet inside of us speaking and Rumi, yeah. Rumi abides in us and, you know, and talking in this, this incredible uh, symbolic language. And if we begin to look at it, it's like, yeah. oh, it, it, it opens itself up. So, John, yeah, yeah. that Yeah, that is awesome. I love that, the roomy within. So how can people 
that we everyone we will link up that demo sample audio which you can download but john if people want to connect with you if they want to follow up and learn more about iawake technologies we will link up your website also in the show notes and john's team recently wrote a great article for us i will link that up in the show notes as well but john is there anything else any other resources that you recommend that people can follow up with and help them connect with you? Yeah, and well, you know, also I wrote the book called Integral Recovery, a Revolutionary uh, Way of Treating Alcoholism and Addiction. And it yeah. talks a lot about this stuff in there. And it, by the way, it won the Best Book Award, uh, USA Best Book Award 2013. For, Congratulations. Yeah, for health and, and, and recovery. That's awesome, man. And, and right now I'm in the process of writing the next book, which is basically... I think I'm going to name it there. What you can become, Abraham Maslow said, what we can become, we must become. And so I'm taking all of the stuff we've learned working at us in practice and the techniques and technologies. And by the way, it's not just about sitting. You got to get off your butt. You got to exercise and eat right and take care of the whole structure, right? But yeah. applying it to everyone because we all have issues, whether we're addicts or not. I mean, uh, we suffer, you know, we suffer from maybe not. Uh, actualizing and being our best selves or bringing our essential gifts into the world, or maybe we're just depressed or maybe we have anxiety, all kinds of disorders. We're all struggling. And so yeah. the next book is about how to do an integral practice where you work your body, mind, your heart, your emotions, your shadows, your spiritual work, and how we put that together for the 21st century as a daily practice and what could happen when we do that. That sounds fantastic, John. I would definitely link up the integral recovery book in the show notes and that book that you're writing sounds fantastic i wish you great luck on that and i want to just thank you for joining us on the show today it's been wonderful yeah it's been a real real uh, flow state for me a real real pleasure thank you morgan i hope you enjoyed my interview with john dupuy john and the team over at iawake technologies have created a special page for the one mind meditation audience you can go and pick up a 20-minute brainwave entrainment meditation in the show notes at aboutmeditation.com forward slash podcast. Head on over there and pick up your free 20-minute guided brainwave entrainment meditation. And you'll also find other resources there and links to John's website. And if you enjoyed the show today, please help other meditators discover the show by heading over to iTunes and leaving me a star rating and a review. It's a huge help. It's the best way to help other meditators discover the show. And you can do that at aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. Also, this show is brought to you by our free Meditation for Life series. You can pick up a three-part meditation seminar and two free guided meditations over at aboutmeditation.com. And finally, let's end with a quote. This one is the famous psychologist Carl Jung, and he says, There is no coming to consciousness without pain. People will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. <laughs>